Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Let me, uh, let me read this to you really quick. I read this in a commentary the other day whenever I was studying. Dr. Warren Wiersbe, uh, he says this regarding 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, uh, which, by the way, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is probably my favorite uh, portions of Scripture on the topic of generosity and giving. There's a lot of Scriptures throughout you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is probably the most robust and comprehensive um, set of teachings around generosity I think that there is and so I really love it and I love the crux of it like I love the really the the central focus of this letter and it's and it's really this is that Paul is encouraging I'm going to break it down even more but Paul is encouraging someone to give but not out of guilt and not out of obligation but out of the spirit of grace out of the grace that's been shown towards them Uh, and and I want to read this to you Warren Wiersbe says this he says Um, I suggest that every Christian read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and read it often, and that you note the emphasis on the grace of God. If our churches, isn't this, if our churches and other ministries would get back to grace giving, there would be fewer high, there would be fewer high pressure offering appeals, fewer gimmicks to raise funds, and fewer complaints from the people of God. Instead, there would be plenty of money available for the ministries that truly magnify the grace of God. And I think that the unsaved people in the world would sit up and would take notice of grace giving like that. You and I are saved because God believed in grace giving, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. And then he says this, so how much do we believe in grace giving ourselves? And I just wrote down in my commentary, I 100% agree. And I put stars all over it because I do believe that this is, this is probably one of the best messages. If you ever wonder, like, you know, if you have questions about what what is the whole take on the tithe? Because some people argue about that, and there's great arguments on both sides. Some people argue about should you give to the church or should you give somewhere else or or should you should you you know should you give you know should you tithe before taxes are after? There's so many crazy questions around tithing and giving. Listen, if you ever want to know God's heart around generosity, I just would admonish you. Sounds super spiritual. I would admonish you to go to Second Corinthians eight and nine and just let this get deep in your soul because it is so so good now here's the thing uh second corinthians eight and nine uh we get this picture of 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 one of paul the apostle paul who wrote two-thirds of the new testament we get a picture of one of um, the largest responsibilities that he sensed and felt uh, regarding his ministry to, to strengthen churches and to serve people. Do you know that Paul, in the New Testament, we have three of his missionary journeys. If you flip over to the maps in your Bible, it'll, it'll probably say at one section, it'll say like Paul's first missionary journey, Paul's second missionary journey. And it wasn't like to the Bahamas, okay? It was in like some, some kind of rougher areas. And he was going around and he was traveling, he was ministering, he was preaching the gospel, he was doing small groups, discipling people, bringing correction to churches and all these different things. But his, did you know his third, his third missionary journey, his third trip, we only have three mentioned, his third trip, the primary purpose of that third trip, in addition to preaching the gospel, establishing churches, his primary purpose was to go around to all the churches and to collect an offering motivated out of grace to give towards another group of people that were in need. That was, that was the entire focus of that third, that third missionary journey that he had. And so he, he viewed generosity as a, 
central theme and a central part of what God wanted to do in the churches. He, he, he did. He saw it like this. There were three purposes that he had in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, this specific offering that he was gathering. Um, there were three purposes. Number one, it was to help people that were in need. That was the first focus. Number two, it was to build unity among the Jewish and the Gentile churches. The offering that he was going around receiving was actually, he was receiving it from some Gentile churches, and it was to go towards a Jewish church that was over in, in Judea that were going through deep poverty and severe, severe trials and tribulations. A lot of theologians believe because of their faith in their city that they were being fired from, from their jobs and people were, were, were so resisting them and so persecuting them that they literally, they didn't have enough money to eat. Can you imagine? I mean, some, some of you, I, my heart goes out to some of you, I work at a church. Some of you, you, you have to live and work in the city of San Francisco trying to live out your faith at work, in this community, and it can be a challenge. You can feel persecuted at times. You can feel a level of resistance. But imagine this, people firing you because of the job, because of the faith that you have in Christ. People pushing you away. People not selling you food or selling you things that would help with just your livelihood and your family. This is what the Jewish Christians were experiencing in Judea. And so one of Paul's big, big thoughts was this, is I'm going to unite the churches because remember the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, they kind of were at odds with each other. The Jewish people didn't think, the Jewish Christians didn't think that the Gentiles belong. The Gentile Christians thought that they could live kind of however, and, and they kind of resisted some of the, the patterns and some of the laws and the regulations that the Jewish people were living with. And so there's a little bit of tension there. And Paul, one of his whole ideas was, maybe if I can connect them through generosity, God could do a work of unity and reconciliation. It was so strategic what he was doing. He was trying to bridge the gap. Push pause on this for a moment. Could it be that one of the things that will build credibility and unite us and, and even reconcile some relationships in our pagan post-Christian city would be that if we could leverage our resources to serve the education system, to serve maybe our first responders or serve different people within our community, different organizations, us just saying, you know what, we're going to give with no strings attached. Could it be that that could actually build a platform so that we could be united, we could, we could be able to share the gospel with people in our community? I do believe that that's, that is the case. Uh, and then the last one was this, the last focus that he had in teaching on, on generosity was he simply wanted to do this. He wanted to help the church members in Corinth at this particular church. He wanted to help them grow in their maturity and their spirituality. He really believed that you cannot separate spirituality and generosity. You cannot separate the two. You, you, you can't do it. I mean, they are, they are linked together. They are connected together. Um, and, and so I'm going to read these scriptures to you. We'll begin to kind of break it down just a little bit. But remember, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, a Gentile church. He's encouraging them to give in this offering that they're receiving. Um, but he starts this whole letter off. He starts it off, or this chapter, he starts it off telling the Corinthians about another church in another city called Macedonia. So he's, he's like, hey, guys, I want you to give. But before, before you do that, let me tell you about this other church that is crushing it. Okay? He, they, they are just killing it. They are crushing it. Look what he says. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, in verse number one. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their, watch this, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. This seems so like it just doesn't make sense, right? It's, it's just not even logical that their extreme poverty actually wells up in rich generosity. It's like an oxymoron. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. 
So he says, they had an ability, they gave to that ability, but even beyond their own ability, they were able to give. He says, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They saw it as a privilege. This wasn't an obligation. This was an opportunity. It says they gave themselves, watch this, first of all to the Lord. How many know that you'll never give the Lord your all unless you give him, or you'll never give for the Lord unless you give him yourself first. You give yourself first to the Lord and then whenever he asks you to do things, you'll do it. Goes and says they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us also. But think about this. Paul is provoking He's provoking the Corinthian church by telling them about another church that is doing great. It's like he's stirring up a little healthy competition there. I love that. He's like, guys, listen, I know that you do a great job giving, but let me tell you about the Macedonian churches. I mean, Paul is like, it seems like he's kind of working in a little provocation there. He's working in a little, trying to stir him up a little bit. And this can seem like, kind of wrong or it can seem a little manipulative but then you read scriptures like Hebrews chapter 10 it says this I love this and let us consider how to stir one stir up one another to love and good works this is what the scripture teaches that you and I we should do our best to stir each other up to want to go out and to do good to go out and to love people we should want to provoke one another not in a spirit of competition but in a spirit of compassion that we should like literally we should be like hey let's see how much we can give let's see how much we can serve let's see how many people we can reach come on let's go for this it's this idea that we are stirring each other up not to live for ourselves but to live for the kingdom of God this, this is the type of church that I want to be. Listen to me. Mas the Macedonian church is now stirring up the Corinthian church. This is what my prayer this week has been for Sozo Church. I pray that we, it's not a competition, but I pray that we become known so much in San Francisco and the Bay Area for our generosity that it stirs up other churches to be generous. I pray that we inspire other churches in our backyard here. When people hear how we're giving to plant churches or to serve the poor or to reach out to people, I pray that, that another church will say, you know what, we really have kind of turned in, inward and we don't think like that. We should think more like Sozo Church. I desire that. I want our church to set a standard of giving. I want our church to inspire other churches, to inspire other organizations. Let us not be casket, let us not be down at the bottom of the, the, the waterfall, kind of, you know, being inspired by other people, but let's be on the top. Let's inspire other people. Let's let our spirit of generosity cascade down into our community, inspiring people, provoking people to do good and to love people and to serve people. That's the type of church that I want to be. So he goes on after he tells the Corinthians about the Macedonians, he says in verse seven, he goes, okay, guys, now think about this. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, here's the thing he, he's saying to them. You've got to understand this. The Corinthians, they prided themselves that they were very spiritually mature. Think back to chapter 12, 13, and 14 in, in, in 1 Corinthians. They were talking about how much they wanted to prophesy and speak in tongues and, and do all these miracles and all these like you know, superpowers. Like they, they, they prided themselves in like their spiritual maturity. And Paul's saying this, listen, you want to excel in spiritual gifts and knowledge and, and Bible knowledge. All the, you want to excel in all these things? Don't forget to excel also in the grace of giving. I, I love that. Uh, Warren Wiersbe also said this, when a church is not spiritual, it will never be generous. 
When a church is not spiritual, it will never be generous. In other words, like you cannot separate, as I said earlier, you cannot separate your spirituality, your spiritual maturity from a spirit of generosity. A person that is not generous, what is, in, what is in, called into account is not just their generosity, but actually their spirituality. We cannot say that we are mature if we only live for ourselves. Spiritual maturity and having a generous spirit, they go hand in hand. Paul isn't trying to make them feel guilty but he is trying to make them feel responsible. This is where he's going with this, with the Corinthians. He's saying, Corinthians, listen, the Macedonians are doing their part. I need you to do your part as well. We just need some, some equity here. We need all of our churches. We need all of our individuals coming together because together we can make a bigger, bigger difference. He's not trying to make the Corinthians feel bad or feel guilty, but he does want them to feel responsible. He wants them to participate in this particular offering that they are receiving. Now, let me just say this as kind of a side note. We have no goal amount that we're trying to raise for our legacy offering, but we do have one goal. Here's the one goal. I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's 100% participation at whatever level the Lord leads you to. Because we value us together. Now, this is for our spiritual family here. If you're a guest here, if you're just kind of checking us out, this isn't for you. Listen, but for the rest of us that are members of this family, man, let's, let's come together and let's, let's do our part because together, listen, we can make such a great difference. If there's just one or two, we call them wells, well givers, right? That one or two rich people that are doing everything, that's not the goal. The goal of church is that we all play our part because what you're part of is greater than the part you play, but the part you play is important. And so let's give together, let's participate together. And this is Paul's, this is Paul's message to the Corinthians is don't let the Macedonians make you look bad. Don't let other churches make you look bad. Let's play our part. And I would submit to you that we have a part to play in this city. My prayer is that, that, that if, our, if one day, if our city ceased to exist, the city would perk up and say, where did Sozo Church go? That we make such a difference in our city through being generous and through serving in practical ways that if our church ceased to exist, the police chief would be looking for us. I've had the police chief looking for me before, but not for good things, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that the fire department, that, 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 that people that take care of the homeless, that they'd go, what are we going to do now? Sozo Church isn't here. Like, I long for that. That may sound so outlandish and over the top, but listen, there's nothing impossible for our God. When people have a spirit of faith, a spirit of generosity, and a willingness, God can use us to make a mass, massive difference in our city and in this region. I believe it with all my heart. Now, here's the thing. Paul knew that it would be difficult. He knew that it would be difficult just to tell these, these Corinthians that another church is kind of, you know, putting them to shame in the area of generosity. He knew that it, it would not be enough just to make, kind of make them feel bad or make them feel guilty. And so he had to infuse something and go to the highest level of motivation, I believe, for these Corinthians. These Corinthians were wealthy and affluent, and they kind of were, you know, living high on, on, on life. And he knew, I'm going to have to give them something. I'm going to have to give them the highest motivation. And so every time when he talks about, he uses the word offerings and giving and all this kind of stuff, but the primary word he uses, he uses nine, nine different times, he talks about giving, but the primary word that he floods throughout all of it is the word grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. He keeps bringing it back to grace, to grace, to the grace of God. What is grace? Grace is not just unmerited favor. When you see it in scripture, sometimes the grace of God refers to his unmerited favor, like you didn't earn it. But a lot of times you see in scripture, the grace of God is actually, it's a supernatural ability to accomplish something that you could never accomplish on your own. 
So sometimes grace is unmerited favor, but sometimes grace is the grace of God. It, it, it helps you and it assists you to do something or to accomplish something supernaturally that you could never accomplish in your own natural abilities. Now, this doesn't just, this doesn't just relate to financial giving. This doesn't just relate to generosity. For me, I can testify to this in the area of forgiveness. For five years, I tried to forgive my dad in my own efforts and ability. I couldn't do it. My dad had deeply wounded me and my family, and I hated him. I hated his guts. I wanted to kill him. That's me being honest. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And that was why I was a Christian and a pastor. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I finally got to the place to say, God, I realize in my own ability, I will never be able to forgive my dad. I need you to give me the grace to forgive him. What am I saying? I need you to give me the supernatural ability, the enablement, the empowerment to be able to do for my dad and for myself what I cannot do in my own strength. And he gave me the grace and I was able to forgive my dad. I can't explain it. It was a supernatural grace that God deposited in my heart that motivated my heart to extend grace towards my dad. This is what grace is. Now, Paul says this, there's actually a grace that God can give you that will help you give the way that you would never be able to give on your own. And he's saying to the Corinthians that the Macedonians, guys, Corinth, listen, the Macedonians, they, they have such a supernatural grace. Let me testify to the grace. Like they gave, I, I wrote down some of the things he's telling, he goes, they gave in spite of their circumstances. Remember they were poor, walking through trials, tribulations, losing jobs. They gave in spite of their circumstances. That's, that's a supernatural ability. In spite of what they were walking through. That's chapter eight, verse one and two. Chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, and chapter 10, verse 12 says that they gave seeing, seeing giving. This was the grace, that they, they were able to give seeing giving as an opportunity and not an obligation. That's grace. When you see opportunities around you to give, and it's an opportunity, it's not an obligation. Like, I don't have to do this. I get to do this. That is grace. You know that you're operating with a spirit of grace when it comes to generosity. When you see people in need and you're not like, oh my God, I hope they don't look at me. Oh my God, they're holding the card and it's got the things written on it and they're looking sad and they got their kids and stuff. Oh, don't look at me, don't look at me. But when you see them, you're like, oh man, opportunity. That's grace. When you, when you see the needs around you, you see them differently. Interesting, I was talking to somebody earlier about this. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus talks about generosity. The first portion of it, he talks about where your treasure is, there your heart would be also. So, right, so where your treasure is and your heart, they're kind of connected. So he says that first. Later, he says, he says another thing about, uh, about you cannot serve both God and mammon. Remember we talked about that week one or week two. But in the middle of it, he says this. It's, it's so strange. He says, a person with a good eye, um, it says that when they have a good eye, it'll bring light into their whole body. When they have a bad eye, it'll make their whole body dark. It's the most interesting thing, but it's in the context of generosity. And what he's saying is there was a, a Jewish saying that a person had a good eye, which meant that they would see people in need and they wanted to be generous. To have a good eye meant that you were generous towards people. To have a bad eye meant that you were stingy and greedy. And Jesus says a person that is generous, it fills their entire life with the light of God. But a person that has a bad eye that's stingy, it makes their whole life dark. But it's interesting that the thing that Jesus uses sandwiched in the middle of his Matthew 6 uh, teaching on generosity is referring to our eyes because I believe a lot of generosity comes down to the way we see people and we see needs. Do you see obligations or do you see opportunity? I pray that we would always, anytime whenever we talk about giving in our church, we talk about an opportunity to give, that your first, your knee-jerk reaction would not be, oh my gosh, they're gonna ask me to give. That you'd be like, oh my, I can't, I can't believe I get to give that you see it as an opportunity, that I see it as an opportunity. And the only way you'll ever do that, listen, you cannot make that happen. That is grace. 
the grace of God working into your heart to be able to do that. Grace helps us to give in spite of our circumstances, seeing giving as an opportunity, not an obligation. And then the last one that he points out about the Macedonians is that they followed the way of Jesus when it came to giving, which was what? Selfless, sacrificial generosity. It says this in 2 Corinthians 8, he says that, that Jesus, it says that he became poor so that we might become rich. So in his riches, though he were rich, he becomes poor so that in our poverty, we might become rich. So Jesus was willing to sacrifice, self-sacrifice so that we could be elevated. Now, my question for you and for me is this, is what are we willing to do without and to give up so that other people can level up? What are we willing to become? Jesus was willing to become poor so that others could become rich. What are you and I willing to become and what are we willing to do so that we can generously serve and love people in our own backyard and around the world. They have this graphic. They're going to throw it up there. I do it every single week. Snap a picture of it if you don't have it uh, already. But I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of, I almost said beating a dead horse. But that's a really, is that a right phrase, beating a dead horse? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> broken record. I don't know. Anyway, one of those things. But this, this, this little graphic here, I love it. Our team made it because it's simply this. is wherever you're currently out at today when it comes to generosity, just grow. Just grow in the grace of giving. That's what Paul was telling them. He says, guys, you excel in so many things. You excel at your job. You excel in your reading, your, your intellect. You excel in your influence. You excel in all these areas. Why don't you excel in giving? Why don't I excel in the grace of giving? Uh, it, says, it says give something. If you've never given anything, give something. If you've given something, give regularly. If you've given regularly, give proportionally. If you've given proportionally, let's give abundantly in the legacy offering. Now, here's the thing. I want to finish up with these three things. And I know I'm talking fastest because they made me drink three cups of coffee this morning. <laughs> but here's three, three reasons. Write these down. Three reasons. This is, this is why I want this for you. And this is why I want this for my, my family. Three reasons why you, should, why you should grow in the grace of giving. Three reasons why. The first one is this. And, and the first one, these, these are so on purpose that they're in this order because I think that it shows the progression of our maturity and our understanding about generosity. The first reason is because it blesses me. Not me, but that I personalize this for you. Write it down. It blesses me. When you're generous, listen to me, it blesses you. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Try to tell your kids that on December 25th, though. That's <laughs> just... It's a good theology on Sunday, middle of the year, bad theology on the 25th, right? He says this in chapter 9. He says, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit. See, I love that. It's about having a generous spirit. I want our church to have a generous spirit. It's the ethos of who we are. He says, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will will, will reap an abundant harvest. They will. There's a promise. They will reap. It says, let giving flow from your heart. Listen, guys, this is a heart issue. If you're struggling even with me talking about giving right now, it's because God's working in your heart. He's dealing with your heart. It's not that you have a money issue. It's a heart issue. We struggle because it has to come out of our heart. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. It's not about tipping God. It's not about tithing. It's like I'm ticking off the box. It's about engaging your heart. Someone asked me one time, should you tithe or should you not? And I said this, I said, or they asked me, does the amount ma- matter to God? And I said, absolutely, the amount matters to God. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because whatever amount engages your heart is the amount that would engage his heart. So you could tithe, you could give 10% or you could give 50%, but if it never engages your heart, it'll never engage his heart. 
it matters. The amount matters and it should overflow out of our heart, engaging our heart, not religious duty, not obligation. But it says this, let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. There's actually a joy that you can have when you live a generous life towards other people. All because why? Because God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you, look at this, he will make you overflow with abundance. You don't have to live with a scarcity mindset, but with an abundance mindset. A scarcity mindset says, I'll never have enough, I don't have enough to give, I don't have enough to help people. One day when I have, then I'll do. That's scarcity. That, that came from the fall in the book of Genesis. Whenever scarcity comes from this idea that God, he's holding out for me and he can't be trusted. That's what a scarcity mindset is. But an abundance mindset is I can give things away because I have a good God that is going to abundantly give back into my life. That's an abundance mindset. He goes on and he says, Overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Look at this. Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds, I love this, will never be forgotten. That's legacy. You want to leave a legacy? Be generous. So how does it bless you? It blesses you. How does giving bless you? Because it blesses you in these ways. Like God, he just wants to bless you. And one of the ways it unlocks that blessing even more is, is we keep the flow going. That's what a friend Judah Smith told me one time. He goes, when we're generous, we're keeping the flow going. We're just keeping the flow going. We're being generous to people and God continues to pour in and through our lives. Now, here's the thing though. You gotta make sure that your intent is right. There's three principles underneath this. You gotta make sure that the, the principle of increase is there. That is this, is that we reap in, in, uh, in, in measure of what we give out. Like we're gonna reap in that proportion, right? You give and you will reap. You sow a little, you're gonna reap a little. This works in money, it also works in marriage. You sow a little bit in your marriage, your marriage is gonna stink, right? You sow a lot into your marriage, you're gonna reap some amazing dividends in your marriage. But the principle of increase, the principle of immediacy, which means immediately when you sow, it's not like farming. When you farm, you plant seeds, and you gotta sit there and wait. I got one of my friends here today, he planted a vineyard, and it's gonna take three years for him to really be able to see anything from it. I do not have enough patience for that. I want to see some grapes on the vine right now. You know what I mean? I want, to see, I want to see something happening. But the beautiful thing about the way the kingdom works is you can actually see, there's, make no mistake about it, there's a long-range benefit that you will see. But there is immediate results that you see when you're generous. How about some things like this? We sense God's grace. We sense the joy of giving. We sense fulfillment of being used by God. We sense immediately liberation from selfishness. We sense the grip of greed being broken off of our life. So there's an immediacy about being a blessing to other people that blesses our own life. But the last one is the principle of intent, is if you have the wrong intentions, if you're giving to get, you've missed the point altogether. We give to give, we don't give to get. But when we give to give with no strings attached, God is so gracious, he just blesses us. It is to bless you, but the second one is this, it's to bless other people, it's to bless others. We give, we are grace givers to bless, to, so that we're blessed, but that's like superficial. Like that's the very beginning of it. You go to the next level when you're like, I want to I wanna give just because I want to bless people. And it does. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, actually there's no need to write to you about this contribution for the holy believers in Jerusalem. But then he goes on to write to them, which is kind of funny to me. He's like, I don't need to write to you about this, but let me write about this. Uh, for I already know that you are on board and eager to help. 
I keep boasting to the churches of Macedonia about your passion to give, telling them that the believers of Corinth have been preparing to give for a year. Your enthusiasm is contagious. It has stirred many of them to do likewise. And he goes on in verse 12, he says, so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And he talks about some other things afterwards. But I just want to tell you that when you give, you just need to know this. That it, it blesses people beyond what you can even imagine. I want you to think about this. There will be people from our legacy offering that you will never meet. You will never hear a thank you on this side of heaven. But you're going to provide Christmas for some family in our own backyard, here in our neighborhood, here in this city. You're going to provide some type of experience and environment for kids in Belize. You're, you're going to serve the homeless through your generosity. You're going to bless them. And it could be, I don't know for sure, but it could be that they have a moment where they look at that gift or they look at that meal or they have that moment and the Holy Spirit whispers to them and God says, I have not forgotten you. Your generosity, it blesses people more than you can even imagine. It touches people's lives more than you even know, more than you may ever know on this side of heaven. Perhaps one day you'll see those, those kids or those people in heaven and they'll come up to you and they'll give you the big thank you. But maybe, I don't know how that works. Maybe they'll never say thank you to you. Maybe they will. But I'm telling you what, when you give, when you're generous, it transforms. It's generosity that transforms people's lives. I've seen it over and over and over again. And the last one is this. Is, 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 again, first level is that it blesses you. Second level is it blesses others. But listen to me. When you're generous, it blesses God. Think about this. Like when you and I give to serve people, to help people that may never come to our church, that may never tell us thank you, that we may never even see the, 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 the impact that we make. When we give like that, God is sitting in heaven and he's looking down and he's like, I am so proud of them. Like it, it, it touches the heart of the father when he sees his children going out into the world Listen, representing, represent, representing him to a world that has had a bad representation of him. It blesses God and it actually brings glory to him in ways that, that, that you can't even imagine. I love how Paul says to him, he says in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, the priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, but watch this, it inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. It brings glory to God. Your generosity not only serves people's needs and helps them, but it brings glory and praise to God. For as your extreme generous offering meets the approval of those in Jerusalem, it will cause them, look at this, it will cause them to give glory to God. This whole thing is about God's glory. We don't give so that we feel good about giving. We give so that we can please the heart of our Father. We give so that it brings glory and honor and praise to Jesus. That's why we give. This is the motivation. He says, all because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ, as well as your generous hearted partnership with them towards those in need. Because of this extraordinary grace, which God has lavished on you, they will affectionately remember you in their prayers. Praise God for his astonishing gift, which is far too great for words. In other words, Paul is saying that when we give like this, it blesses God, it brings him glory, and it points people towards Jesus. Ultimately, I just believe this with all my heart. When we give and we're, we, we, we sow into people's lives, we sow into the kingdom and we try to help people, I really believe that, man, it just puts this huge smile on the face of God 
And he looks down at us and he's just like, I am so stinking proud of him, of her. I am so proud of my church. I'm so proud of that person. It's like the other day I was sitting in like one of those teacher conferences where they, they tell you how your child's doing. And I'm sitting there and this teacher, it was so intense. Man, she had this intense look on her face and, and I'm just looking at her and she starts, she's like, oh, I want to talk to you about your son. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is she about to say? What did he do now, you know? And her face was like, just like, and then she goes, and smiles really big. And she goes, he is the greatest joy to teach. And she just starts talking to him. And I was like, my boy, you know what I'm saying? I just felt so proud. I was so, I left that place just smiling, just proud. I couldn't wait to pick him up and say, son, I'm so proud of you for how you did. Like it was an unbelievable moment. I just feel like that's how God is when it comes to us being generous, that it puts a smile on his face. I'll finish with this, this story. I was thinking about this. I was in Africa, uh, probably, I don't know, the first time I was in Africa was probably in 2000, 2001. And I was at this, this organization and we were serving food to these children that were living in these squatter camps. And it was a long line of kids and I was serving in the line where you, you kind of scoop a big thing of rice and beans and you, you give it to the kids. And most of them, they, they just had like little old, old butter uh, bins, you know, that you put butter in or you know, things like that. And and so they were coming through the line and I'm, I'm scooping. I'm like, you know, hey, smiling and whatever. And, and probably halfway down the line, this kid comes through and I, I get this huge scoop of rice and beans, dump it in this bowl. And he immediately closes the top, puts the lid on it. And he just smiled really big, kind of did his eyebrows up, you know, and he, he rolls out. So it caught my attention. I'm like, what is this kid is so cute, you know? And uh, so he walks off and I finish, finish serving. The kids, the kids are all sitting down eating. And I'm still, my eyes are like on this kid. And he, he's sitting there with his friends, talking to his friends, but he has the lid on his bowl and the rest of the kids are all eating, but he's not eating. And I'm, I'm just, I'm like, this is odd. This is so strange. And every once in a while, this kid, his, his friends are talking. Every once in a while, he would just open up that lid and he'd go, like this. He'd close it real fast. And he probably did this for 15 minutes. He'd open it, smell it, with big old eyes. And he's telling his friends, and they're all like, You should eat some. He's like, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And so I go to one of the, the people running the organization. I'm like, what, What's this kid's name? They tell me his name. And I said, I noticed that he keeps just, he just, he won't eat his food. Everybody else is eating and he just keeps smelling it and smiling. And, uh, and, and they said, oh, that's so-and-so. They said, he does that every single day. He comes here and he stands in that line and someone gives him a portion of food and he takes it and he, he closes it, he seals it because he brings it home to his siblings. He has three other siblings and he's kind of the leader in his home. He brings it to his siblings and he says he takes his portion and he makes sure that they're fed first. And then he eats and it puts a smile on his face. And I'm telling you, I sat over there, I'm crying. I'm like, oh, I'm such a selfish loser. You know, I'm like, that's what mission trips do to you, man. They just jack you up. They, they make you realize how screwed up you are. And so you just come back, you want to sell everything, give everything away. And, uh, and I sat down, I remember journaling. I still have the journal today. I'm like, God, I feel like the way that that, put a smile on his face. He just, he took a portion I gave him and he, he didn't just think about himself, but he wanted to leverage his portion to help other people. And that put a smile on his face, which put a smile on my face. And God, I just, I wrote in my journal. I, I wonder if that's what it's like that you serve us a portion, whatever that portion may be. You give us a portion and, and we have a, a decision to make. Do we use our portion for just ourselves, or do we do we leverage our portion?
to help other people. And what I would submit to you is that when we do that, it's going to put a smile on your face that will be more satisfying than eating that meal alone. And God, I just wrote, I wrote down, God, I just know this, that it not only will put a smile on my face, but I believe it puts a smile on your face when I'm generous. Why? Because generosity is our privilege. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.